0: Amen. <clears throat> A few announcements: Wednesday, mor- Wednesday morning, Wednesday evening, prayer meetings now at the church. The church is open. The weather is better, so we can all. If you can make it Wednesday at seven, here at the church. Amen. <clears throat> we want to keep. adding in prayer that he is healed in Jesus' name. We still want to keep Phil and Ellie in prayer for the car situation, that things would go smooth. They've had good reports. We want to keep our church in prayer, amen? Amen. Our government in prayer, and also Israel. We need to be praying. The Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Israel. So we need to be praying for the peace of Israel all the time. Amen? Amen? So... That's one thing that's on our Wednesday night prayer that we're going to start praying for every Wednesday is the peace of Israel. Because we're living in some crazy times right now. Terrible times. And if you think we got it bad, you just go over to Israel and you look up at the night sky, even the day sky, and you watch the Iron Dome at work. Pretty scary. Come on down, Grace. I'm going to take you from your Rice Krispie Treat. It'll be there when you get back, right, Stella? You won't eat it on her? Okay. Father, we thank you and praise you for this tithes and offerings that you're bringing in this place. Into your house, we pray your blessings and your anointing upon your people. Lord God, we pray that you would bless their tithes, bless their offerings, bless their comings, bless their goings, bless the work of their hands, and bless their homes, Lord God, and bless every step they take. Lord, that you would watch over them, your personal protection. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Is there any other announcements that I might have missed? We do have one thing that I almost forgot. I'll never forget it, but June 3rd, our anniversary, Julie and I's anniversary, we've been married 26 complete years. It's amazing, amazing. On our 25th anniversary, we celebrated it at home because of COVID. COVID. I've told her I'll make it up to her one of these days, one of these anniversaries. It just happens we got married at a bad time, right in the busy time. (laughs) Right in our busy time. But no time's a bad time. Amen? Amen. All right. Tomorrow we are going to celebrate Memorial Day, the day we honor those men and women who have given their all for our freedom and to our country. They gave their lives for you and for me that we may enjoy the freedoms that we have. So tomorrow when you gather together with family and friends to celebrate, we usually do with a barbecue, take some time to remember all them fallen soldiers. Amen? And the sacrifice they have given for us all. And all those out there, I thank you for your service. For serving our country. And all those, what do they call them, gold star families, I thank you for your sacrifice. That you've made. For our country. And for each one of us. One thing, I'm sure one thing I need (laughs) is God's glory. Amen? And I'm sure and know that we all need God's glory in the days that we live in. Because I'm telling you, everything that those soldiers have fought for and our very freedoms is under attack. And it's a relentless attack. Our belief system as Christians is being attacked at an unprecedented scale. Last night I was flipping through the channels and I just so happened to stumble across Daystar Channel. And there was a show they had on. It was called Before the Wrath. And we didn't watch it all. We missed half of it. But I'm telling you what, it was very good. I was very impressed and I was very alarmed by some of the statistics that they said. If you think about the title, Before the Wrath, what do you think about? Before the second coming of Christ. The wrath takes place after But what's before the wrath, the second coming of Christ, the rapture of the church, the catching away of the saints? But I'm telling you, there is an attack on the Bible. There is an attack on your very faith and your very Christianity that is out there and it's real. And pastors It's our jobs to preach the truth and to bring the truth. <clears throat> and it was a scary alarm to hear some of the statistics that they were saying, that they sure that they shared was unbelievable. Do you know that they took four hundred and fifty sermons from 400 different four hundred and fifty different pastors, and out of those four hundred and fifty pastors, and I don't know who they are, but only two percent of them were been preaching on Bible prophecy. Two percent out of the four hundred and fifty Do the math, that's only nine sermons that were preached on Bible prophecy. And I don't know how you can preach a sermon without Bible prophecy. Because Bible prophecy makes up a third of the whole Bible. So if they're not preaching a third of the whole Bible, then they're keeping out a third. And they're really deceiving their congregation and deceiving the people they're leading. And it's scary. And they say that they do that because nobody wants to hear about Bible prophecy because it scares them. And they say, oh, Christ has been coming for a long time. And they do that because they know if they preach on Bible prophecy that they would lose some of their congregation. I would rather lose all my congregation than not preach the truth about the Word of God. Amen. I would. I'm sorry. And I look at our statistics and I think, well, maybe I've been preaching too much on Bible prophecy. Huh? <laughs> maybe I've been preaching too much. on. Maybe I'll stick to prosperity and wealth and everything else. And that everything's going to be well. You don't have to worry about it. Go out and sow your oats. Live your life like a heathen. You can ask God for forgiveness. That'll never come out of this pulpit. I'm sorry. Because I know that's not the truth. The truth is the word of God. And the truth is if you take a third of the Bible, if you take a third of of the prophecy out of this Bible, then this Bible would be some ordinary book that you can put up on a shelf with all the other religious books that are out there. And that's the fact, because what makes this Bible so special is the prophecies that are in it, because those prophecies are from the very Word of God. They're right from His mouth, through His prophets. If you take them all out, you take out all the prophecies. And it would make this book just an ordinary book. And it's not. That's what separates the Bible from all other books, from all other religions. Because of the prophecies that are in it. And I couldn't believe it when I heard that. Because it's hard for me to believe that. That there's so many out there that aren't preaching the truth and aren't warning their people. I'm telling you, pastors, we have to take our job serious. And even me, that's why God gave me a helper, to remind me, to say, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that. (laughs) And I know it's not that it's bad, it's that's why God got us married together and the two become one. Because I've got a helpmate to help keep me on track. Because if I was left out to my own demise, if I didn't have my wife there to help me and support me and pray for me, and give me advice at times, God knows where I'd be. Where I'd be. She keeps me focused. He helps keep me focused. We're a team. We work together. We live together. And when mama's happy, everybody's happy. Isn't that the saying? And I'm telling you, I told her this week, you know, I know why God has brought me here. He brought me to you to help you. I want to help her. When I first met her and I married her, I wanted to help her. I wanted her dreams to prosper. I wanted her plans to prosper. I wanted her business to prosper. I wanted her family to prosper. I wanted to work hard and show myself a workman approved by God. And that I was worthy to have her hand in marriage. I wanted to prove myself to her family. That I'm a good man. It's true. And not only did that, but God sent her to help me. To lift me up. To help give me guidance. I respect my wife. She's been a Christian for all the days of her life that I can know of. She helped get me saved. She brought me to this church where I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and her family has been a righteous family with a righteous line. If you look down through the generations, every one of my mother-in-law's children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren know the Lord. Every one of their son-in-laws know the Lord. Every one of our children know the Lord. And that's a legacy that they can pass on. And it's amazing. And every one of my children know the Lord. And every one of my grandchildren know the Lord. And I'm praying that every one of those that God has allotted to us throughout all the generations, our children that aren't even born, our great-grandchildren that aren't even born, that they will know the Lord and it will be passed down to them like a torch, like a mantle. But you cannot take out Bible prophecy from this book of life. You cannot, and what does it say about it in the book of Revelations? At the end, anybody that takes or adds away from this book, they'd be condemned. God help them. And I don't think it's just for the book of Revelations, but I think it's for all the books of the Bible. It's for the whole thing. Amen. You know, when I think of Memorial Day, I do think of all the soldiers. I think of all the soldiers because I served. I think of all those that given in their life. But I think of the soldiers in the army of Christ. Think about this. Think about all of the saints. Think about all of the martyrs who've given their life for the gospel. For this very book. Think about all the apostles. Every one of them gave their life to preach the gospel. Every one. I bet you there are more martyrs in the Christian faith than all of the world wars put together. All of them. I bet you there's more saints that have given their life for the preaching of this word, of this gospel, than any other, than all the wars combined. I don't know if those statistics are true, but I do know that there has been many, many that gave their life for this word. And all I know, and what I worry about most of all, is that every one of you are ready for when Christ's coming. My concern is for you to be ready, the bride to be ready for her groom. The bride to be ready for her groom. In that, in that little show I watched last night, it talked about a Galilean wedding. In the Galilean wedding, nobody knows when the groom will come. What has to happen, and it's just like the rapture. It's just like the Bible. It's, all, it's after the wedding. Is after the whole Bible. When Jesus says, no one knows the hour of the day when the groom will come. No one knows the hour of the day when Jesus will return. But our job is to always be ready for them in our hearts. Our job is to make sure our family and friends are ready. So when the groom comes, they can have the wedding feast. So what happens is that the two fathers come together. Only the father knows of the groom when the wedding is going to be in a Galilean wedding. The groom has to go and prepare a house Prepare a place for his bride to live. And it's next to his father's house in a Galilean wedding. Isn't that like the Bible? Didn't Jesus go to heaven to prepare a place for us? And didn't he say that no one knows the time, the hour, or the day, except for the father when he will return? It is the same exact way in a Galilean wedding. Nobody knows the hour or the day when the father will say to the groom, Go get your bride. And you know, the bride, for a whole year, as the groom is building his house and getting it ready for her to move in, to live with them, the bride gets ready every night. She goes, puts on her wedding dress, and waits for her groom and her bridesmaids. And they prepare until the time comes after When If the groom doesn't come, they can take it off. But every day they go through this routine because they don't know when the groom is going to come. And when I was watching this and I'm listening to this, I'm like, this is exactly how we're supposed to be living. We have to be prepared. We have to be ready all the time. No matter where you're at, you might be at work when the groom comes. But are you going to be ready? You might be at home when the groom comes. It doesn't matter where you are, the groom is going to find you. Because in a Galilean wedding, after the groom has got all the preparations, all of the additions to the house, and has got his house prepared, and he has his banquet feast all set, the groom has to prepare the meal. Has to get the whole banquet all ready for the wedding, and the wedding has to last for se- the weddings last for several days. So he's got to have enough food prepared for several days at all times. It's a lot of work. And then when the father comes down and he sees it and he looks and he inspects the house, and he walks through and he inspects the banquet table, and if it's not just so perfect, then he tells him not yet, not yet. So the groom has to wait until his father says it's time. Just like Jesus. Jesus doesn't know the hour or the day. The angels don't know the hour or the day. Only the father knows the hour and the day. So the father looks it over, inspects it, makes sure it's prepared for the bride to come. And then when the father says, yeah, it's time, what does he do? The groom gets a shofar and he blows the trumpet. And the trumpet is the signal that the wedding feast is about to take place. Just like it is before the rapture of of the saints. The trumpet will be blown and those that are gone before in Christ Jesus will be risen with those who are still alive. So the groom marches through the city and he's blowing the trumpet. He's waking everybody up. And then the bride hears him coming to the house. So what is it? The bride is in the midst in the middle of the bridesmaid, all ready to go, prepared for her groom. Isn't that something else? When I, when I heard that, I was amazed that they did that. And then it takes, it could take over a year until the groom is prepared to place place. For them, and that that place has been accepted by the Father. I was amazed at that. <clears throat> you know, before the wrath of God, when that happens, when that takes place. And all of the saints are raised up with Christ to be caught up in the air? <clears throat> That's going to be a crazy day on this world, isn't it? Think about that. If you got your Bibles, you can go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 8. Talks about the rapture. Get got all these marks in my Bible here. Verses 13 through 18, it says, Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died, rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word. We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, After that, we who are still alive are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. I wonder what kind of memorial they're going to have for all of us Christian saints who have risen with Christ. That's going to be a crazy day if you're left behind on earth, if you think about it. Or will it be a crazy day? Because there are so many people out there being deceived by false teachers and false pastors and prophets. Some of the statistics statistics, statistics they showed were that 85% Of the people in America do not believe the Bible anymore. 85% of the Christians in our nation do not believe the Bible is the Word of God. Only 15% believe it. Those numbers have dramatically changed over 50 years. If you think about it, look at our own generation of kids who are out there who don't believe the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God. It's dramatically changed. Our country is dramatically changing. America has changed rapidly. It's not the same place As it was since even I was a kid. I would say that 15% is a remnant. Wouldn't you? God is going to have a remnant. You know, there's always going to be a remnant God is going to have. Always. Even when Elijah went down and destroyed all the prophets of Baal. He said, God, I am the only one left. I am the only one left in the whole nation of Israel that worship you. And God said, no, there are 7,000 out there that have not bowed to Baal. I believe that there's going to be more. I pray that there's more than 7,000 of us that are left that have not bowed down to Baal. But 15% is a shocker. You know why? Because our children are being pulled away. They're being deceived. They're not listening to the truth. They're not being preached the word of God like they should be. Even though people might not, oh, I don't like hearing about prophecy. I don't like hearing about things coming. I'm sorry. But if I didn't teach you that or tell you that, then you wouldn't know. You wouldn't be prepared and you wouldn't be ready. And you wouldn't be able to stand when the day of testing comes. And I wouldn't be preaching the word of God like it says. That's my job. And you know what would happen then? Then the blood of you would be on my head. If I don't tell you the truth, then your blood would be on my head. I'm accountable to each one of you. To God. And that's not a light task. I would like to tell those 441 other pastors that they ought to think about that statistics. What about that when it says it in the Word of God? If you don't tell them the truth, then the blood of their lives is on your head. Did they ever read that? The facts are that people aren't reading their Bibles anymore like we should be. We're not reading our Bibles like we should be. We're not hiding it in our hearts like we should be. That's the truth. We're being lured away. We're getting too busy with this, too busy with that. We're not spending time with God like we should be. We're not setting aside time for devotions like we should be. We're not hiding it in our hearts. The Word of God is life. And it's not just life to our very spirits, to our very lives. It's a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. It's living. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And we need to be in it and reading it. Because I want every one of us to be that 15% of the remnant. We need to be holding on to the garments of Christ with all we have. With all we have, because I'm going to tell you, the world is not going to get any better. You read the Word of God. It's not going to get any better. There's things coming upon the face of this earth that are going to scare you. They're going to put fear in you. And if you don't have a sure foundation to stand on, then you're going to be tossed by tossed to and fro by every wave of doctrine. You're going to be swept away and pulled out to sea by the tide. Our faith is being tested. Our beliefs are being tested. We're living in terrible times. And you know what's so crazy is that if you knew the Bible and you read the Bible, you would know it's in the Bible. Everything, everything we're going through right now, is in the Word of God. It's right there in, our, in front of our eyes that we can read it. In Second Timothy chapter three verses one through seven. Conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying the power. Have nothing to do with them. I'm telling you, you run from them. You run from them. Do more than have nothing to do with them. Turn away from them and walk. Matter of fact, run from them. And I'm telling you, you got to be careful in these days. we got to be careful not to put any of this stuff above God. None of it. Don't put anything above your relationship with God. That's the most important thing you could have. Because your eternity is forever. And your life on this earth is temporal. It is short. Having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. They are the kind who worm their way into the homes and gain control over weak willed women, who are loaded down with sins and swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Think about that. That's just what amazes me about the Bible. They're, they don't, they're always trying to learn. They're always trying to come up with some other way. They're always trying to say you can go to heaven some other way but through Jesus. No, you can't. I'm sorry. The truth is there is no way you can get to heaven except through Jesus. Jesus is the gate. He is the good shepherd. No other man goes to heaven except through Jesus. It's what the Bible says. And you got to believe it. Just as James and Johnbury opposed Moses, so also these men oppose the truth. Men of depraved minds, who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. I'm going to tell you, there are people out there that oppose you. They oppose your beliefs. They don't agree with your beliefs. They believe you're. Oh, it's too harsh. The Bible is too harsh. God didn't mean that. What about love? What is it, isn't God a loving God? Yeah, God's a loving God, he's a caring God, and he's a disciplining God. And he cares so much for you that he disciplined. He'll discipline you when you're in the wrong. Because he wants you to turn. There's men out there that oppose the truth ever since the truth was written. Ever since the Garden of Eden, Satan tried to oppose the truth. He deceived Adam and Eve. Deceived them. That's right. You know, I know these scriptures aren't great for growing the church. (laughs) Everything I'm saying isn't great for growing the church. But I don't care about growing the church. As much as I care about your salvation. As much as I care about where you're going to be. When all of a sudden that groom comes blowing his trumpet. That I don't have to worry about it. That on that day, as I'm going up in the sky, I can say, hey, Joey, I'm over here. Hey, Ephraim, Estella, come on. Praise God. Come with me and grandma and your great grandma and grandpa. Hallelujah, we're here. Phil, you're in Spencer. God just picked us up. You know, when you get up at a high elevation, you can see far away, far away, as as far as as the eye can see. It's going to be an awesome day. Hallelujah! God's coming. All the stuff is in the Bible. Everything that's going on in the world right now is in the Bible. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 12. It says, don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day will come. For that day will not come. Until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. He will oppose everything. And will exalt himself over everything that is called God. Or is worshipped. So that he sets himself up in God's temple. Proclaiming himself to be God. That's exactly what Satan wanted. When he got thrown out of heaven the first time. That's exactly what Satan wanted. When he tempted Jesus, he told him if he would just bow down and worship him, that he would give him all that he sees, all the kingdoms of the earth. I'm going to tell you, all the kingdoms of the earth is not worth your eternity. It won't be worth it if you're in the pit of hell burning, and all you can smell is sulfur, and it's black as black, and you can feel the heat melting your flesh. It won't be worth it then, will it? You would say, I wish I'd listened to that preacher who warned me about this. See, if I warn you about hell and about heaven and the differences, and if I warn you about the truth, then your blood is off of my head, and it's on yours because you are held responsible It's your choice whom you will serve. I cannot choose for you. You have to choose for yourself. Every man and woman has to choose who they will serve. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? This is Paul telling the Thessalonians, listen, don't you remember I was telling you about this stuff? Don't forget it. These are the things you don't want to forget. Because there's this people out there that will deceive you. There's the devil out there who is the prince of powers of the air, who is out there deceiving many, even good people, even Christians. And now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of the lawless one is already at work. Think about that. It was already at work. The prince and the powers and the evil forces in the air were already at work in Paul's day. 700 A.D. or 70 A.D. excuse me. 70 years after Christ's death. The devil was already at work. And the devil was already at work before then. Because that's why James and Jambres were out there opposing Moses. That's why, the, that's why the other 12 tribes, 10 out of the 12 tribes of Israel, when they went out to explore the promised land, they saw that there was giants and they looked like grasshoppers. Who do you think put that fear in their head? The devil. The devil put that fear in there. He was at work. That's why the devil knew if he can get Adam and Eve to, to, to take a bite of, of the tree of good and evil, of knowledge. If he can just have them eat that, then he knows. The devil's been out there prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for people he can devour. Don't let him devour you. He's been doing it for a long time. He's been at work. But the one who now holds him back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth. Think about that. What is the truth? The Word of God is the truth. They refuse to love the Word of God of truth and they don't know it because they're not reading it. And if you don't know the word of God is in your heart, then you can be easily deceived. Especially when somebody comes around and starts performing miracles, signs, and wonders. You're gonna be deceived easily. You're gonna think, holy cow, how do they do that? That's a miracle. You have to be careful. That's why you got to have the Word hidden in your heart. That's why you got to know it. Because if you don't know it, then you can be easily deceived. They perish because they refuse to love the truth. You see, what they're looking for is people are looking for evidence. People are looking for evidence. If they can't see it, then they won't believe it. They're not living by faith anymore. The Bible tells us to live by faith, not by sight. <clears throat> Don't always look for evidence that looks good. Believe by faith. You walk by faith. Our Christian walk is a walk of faith. It's not a walk of sight. It's a walk of faith. <clears throat> That's exactly What's going on in the science community? Everything they've got to try to prove or disprove. You believe the word of God by faith. You believe that Jesus died and rose again on the third day by faith. Even though it's been proven to be a fact. And it's not just written in the book, in the word of God, but it's been written through all these other books. Well, people refuse to believe the Word of God, the truth. That's why they're trying to remove all the prophecies from the Bible, because they can't explain it. They can't explain it. Only God can explain it, and only God could have put those prophecies in there. Because those prophecies have come to pass over and over, over and over again. And, and, and Jesus is coming back. And it's written right in there. It's been prophesied by it. It's going to happen. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this very reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe a lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Everything that we're seeing now, all these false teachers, false preachers, everything that has been predicted for us right in this Bible, everything that we see going on right now has been predicted for us been written out for us. Jesus talks about it in Matthew chapter 24, in Luke 22. It says that all these things are taking place. You know, they're taking place right now. It says in the word that all these things are going to precede, precede the coming of Christ. That means that what's happening right now is going to happen before Christ comes. So it could be any day that Christ can come. Because we're seeing this stuff happen right now. Today. I mean, like, right now. I mean, it's happened. Been happening for the last few years or more. It's been happening. So Christ can come at any moment. Are seeing now even these false teachers and preachers. And all this stuff happen. It is a short time. This is what's called. It's called a short time of distress. Immediately preceding Christ's return. It's a short time of distress that we'll be going through. Immediately preceding Christ's return. Meaning it happens before Jesus' return. It's coming soon. Second Peter Chapter two. I don't know how much of this I'm going to get through. But Second Peter chapter two tells us all about this. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. He's talking about us. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them. Who bought them. Bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. In other words, they're digging their own grave. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, For that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented and his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desires of the sinful nature and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, these men are not afraid to slander celestial beings, yet even angels. Although, are they stronger and more powerful? No, I don't think so. Do not bring slanderous accusations against such beings in the presence of the Lord. But these men blasphemy in matters they do not understand. They are like brute beasts, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like beasts, they too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, revealing in their pleasure while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, a beast without speech, who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These men are springs without water and mist driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. For they mouth empty boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves to depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it and overcome. They are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. If you have one, It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Than to have known it and then turned their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit. And a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. Pretty harsh, isn't it? Pretty scary. That's not going to win me over any congregants, is it? No. Who wants to hear those words? But those words are true. They're in the Bible. Those words Peter wrote 2,000 years ago. Those words are what's going on right now. It's scary. There are many false teachers out there. And if you are not reading your word, if you're not in the Bible, and you don't understand this, that God's warned us about all these things that are happening, then you too will be tossed. I wrote down here, don't be deceived by any smooth-talking snake oil-selling salesman who's selling himself and not preaching or teaching the truth and the word of God. So we hold on to the truth with all we have. Not to be deceived. We stand on solid ground, the rock on which I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And we think about all the saints that have gone on before us who've died for this word. Who believed it right to the very end of their lives. The truth of the gospel will set you free. And that gospel is this and it's never changed. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born of a virgin who went to the cross who died for our sins, who rose again the third day victoriously, who sits at the right hand of God, and who's coming back to, to, to gather us up with Him in the heavens, who went to prepare a place for you and for me so that we could be with Him forever. That's the gospel. That's what we preach, that's the truth. So make yourself ready. Be a watchman. Be watching always. For no one knows the day or the hour. Not even the sun, not even the angels know. Only the Father knows when the groom will come. Only the Father knows that day when Jesus will return to get his bride. So we have to be ready always, on guard. On guard, ready, prepared, in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, in our spirits, our families. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you, Lord, and praise you for this day. I do thank you, Lord, and praise you for all those men and women that have given their life for our freedoms. that I can stand here and preach the word of God. I thank you, Lord, for them. I thank you, Lord God, that, Lord, for all the saints and the martyrs out there and all those that are being martyred even today to the death, to their last breath, that they do not let go of your word and the truth, that they hold on tight. And I pray that for each one of us. And I pray that we would never be deceived by the enemy, by any smooth-talking salesman out there, who thinks he knows a better way to get to heaven, who thinks that you can earn it, who thinks that there's a way you can wiggle in through the fence or under the fence or over the fence. There's a place for them that's not pretty in the Bible. I pray that not one person here will be deceived, but we would stand on your word, which is the truth. Your word is the truth. There's no other book like it. There's no other book of life out there that just tells us about what's going to happen, shows us how to live, guides us down paths of righteousness for your name's namesakes that, that leads us to eternity with you through your son Jesus. There's no other book out there like it. And there never will be. And it says your word will never pass, but your word will be with us and be after us and Lord God, it'll never pass. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you that one day, Lord God, we're going to see you in heaven. That one day we're going to see our loved ones when we're caught up, Lord God, in the sky with them. I thank you, Lord God, that you're preparing a place for us. That we may be with you. And wherever you are, we may be. Lord, I pray. And I thank you, Jesus. For each person here, I pray for your word. Anything I pray, Lord God, that was of me would pass away. But anything, Lord God, that's not of me, that's of you, would we be hidden in our hearts, that we would have it in our toolbox, prepared and ready. And I just thank you, Lord, and I pray your blessings upon your people. This week, I pray your protection over them as we go out of here, Lord God. As we leave here, Lord God, that we would be built up strengthened, encouraged to get in your word, Lord God, and in prayer. And that our relationship with you would draw closer and closer. And that we would not forsake gathering together with the brethren every week, Lord God, as much as we can, that we wouldn't forsake it, Lord God. Because we need each other to support each other, to encourage each other, to lift each other up, to build each other up, Lord. And I thank you and I praise you. For each one of them. And I pray your blessings on them. In Jesus' name. Amen.